It's my pleasure now to welcome in on the BTG studio line former longtime Major League umpire and Rochester, New York native Ken Kaiser. Ken, welcome to the program. I got to ask you, based on comments that umpire Joe West made a few years ago that Yankees and Red Sox games were taking way too long, do you think some of today's games go too long? It takes too much time. They all took much, too much time. Joe's right. I mean, these guys, uh, the, everybody, the games are too long because the, the, pitchers, the pitchers are afraid to throw strikes. Scared to death to throw strikes. They're afraid they're going to get a tape measure done job on it. Very few great pitch. You notice the, the, the decline of the great pitcher? I do hear that, Ken. You're right. In fact, you hear a lot of talk that you may never see another 301 pitcher again. Can you name me three great pitchers in the last 20 years? I mean, Clayton Kershaw comes to mind, but. Okay, that's the last four years yeah. before him. Yeah. Now, I agree with you with him. And he had the worst series known to man. But that's not the point. He is a great pitcher. The kid in Detroit's a, now he's hurt, but he's a great pitch, great pitcher. Uh, Verlander, Justin Verlander. But give me Hall of Fame pitchers. Can't name one. And you don't get the Hall of Fame. Clayton Kershaw don't get there in three, four years. But name me. You can't name one. What's that tell you? And then they're talking about the games are too long. Well, the main reason for that is they don't throw it over the plate. You mentioned a lack of great pitching great pitchers even and yet there's an attempt or or it seems like what is an attempt to infuse more offense into the game nolan ryan and other great pitchers of the past have come out and questioned the strike zone should it be called the way it's called on the field do you think the problem's the strike zone in the rule book or the way they call it on the field because the two things seem to be drastically different i remember i remember talking to nolan one day and talking to i was at dinner and with him and george brett and nolan says if they if i had that strike that they called today I'd have won 300 more games. And, 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 and Brett smiled and George said, and I'd have hit 240, he said. It's what the umpire has his own strike zone. They're totally aware of these players of what you call. Well, he's a low ball umpire. How many years did you hear that? He's a high ball umpire. Well, that's what they were. They knew what to expect. Now it's, well, could you imagine having a strike zone today with, uh, with, uh, with, uh what's his name? He's uh, the, uh, the base dealer, uh, Ricky uh, Henderson? Uh, Ricky, could you imagine having a strike zone with him today? You wouldn't have a strike zone with him today, the way he stood. That strike zone of Ricky's was only when he swung. When he wasn't going to take a pitch, he stood up. So what strike zone do you use? Retired longtime Major League umpire Ken Kaiser talks with us on the BTG studio line. Ken, a lot of folks will tell you that the, the human element of umpires adds to the beauty of the game of baseball. We like that. And yet, so many broadcasts and so many stadiums will put this K zone in, which show this box, and fans immediately know whether the umpire calls something other than what technology shows. Every ball, every strike is up there. Is that fair to the umpires? Hey, this is my zone. I call it again. I just went from a night game in Seattle to an afternoon game in New York. I just had a fight with my wife. I'm getting divorced. We're human. One of my kids got hurt. We're not human according to these people. Hey, he missed that pitch in the fourth inning. They think that the umpire is in the ground and rises at, at 7 o'clock every night from the base and then goes back into the ground for the next night. <laughs> I mean, it sounds ludicrous to you, but that's the way I look at it. You have a zone, and, and you are human. You ever have a bad day at the office? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so does that mean they should fire you? Well, good night. I hope not. Hey, listen, I had more fun with fans than any umpire, and I did. I had some wonderful things happen to me. I'll give you one. You're going to cry. But I was in Baltimore one day, 
and it was about uh, in between innings. I saw this little girl over there, and she had a ball in her hand. I'm sorry, it wasn't between innings. It was the start of the game. Uh, they were warming up, and a couple players were walking by, and she's holding the ball out. Now, this girl's about five years old, and they're walking by her. They won't sign it. So I finally grabbed, uh, it might have been, uh, oh, Rick, Rick Dempsey. I said, Rick, sign the He's coming in from the bullpen. I said, sign that little girl's ball. She went over and signed the ball. And then between them, she called me. She's waving to me, waving to me. So in between them, I went over and she wanted me to sign it, so I signed the ball. So after the game was over, I come up out in, in the new Baltimore Stadium. We come up to the elevator, and right there is the, is the parking lot. So as I walk out, there's the mom, the dad, the brother, and the little girl. And they were ecstatic. They came all the way from Virginia. And and we we talked to them, and I picked her up. And she was a little blah, little doll, and they were just the nicest family. So, you know, I gave them my address and told them, I said, my phone number, I said, listen, you guys ever go into a game and I'm going to be down there, or even if I'm not going to be down there, just give me a call, and I'll call the crew of umpires in there make sure they leave the tickets. And they were so thoughtful, so nice, and they send me a card every Christmas. They sent me a card on my birthday, and I got this one card uh, from them, and it was in the middle of winter. I remember that. And it was a letter from the mother, and the little girl, she was sick at the time, I knew that, but the little girl died of leukemia. Oh, my. And she was a five, she might have been seven, and they showed a picture. They had my picture next to the casket with taking the pit, giving her the ball. And they, I got tears in my eyes thinking about this. And the ball was in the casket with her. Oh. And they said that the, 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 that I brought more into the, the, her life at her age than anybody could possibly be. And they never forgive, forget me and thank me. And I got, they sent me pictures that they took at, at the time. We're talking with retired Major League umpire Ken Kaiser on the BTG studio line. Ken, that's a, Incredible story, um, very yes, touching. Hell, yeah, a few I, years. I hate to tell that story because I start crying. Yeah, it's a it's a very sweet story. Ken, what about pace of the game? Do you like the idea of putting a pitch clock on the pitcher or having the batter having to stay in the box? I mean, these things just seem to enforce a rule that already exists, right? That was in the the rules before I got there, but nobody used it. Twenty seconds. I seen a call one time. Bill Howard called it once. He called it on uh, the kid that pitched, went from St. Louis to Kansas City, Herbowski, the relief pitcher. Oh, yeah. Al Herbowski? He, he hit the ball into the glove. Well, Bill Heller was standing at second base holding the clock up. 20 seconds, he wasn't even on the rubber yet. He called it on him. That's the first and only time I've ever seen it called. I never even heard an umpire tell me he called it. Yeah, I, I can't, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever seen it called. You know why the rule is like that? You can't call that rule? You got 20 seconds, right? And the batter's got to be in the box. Well, when the pitcher's taking all that time, he steps out of the box, then you got to restart the count again. Anyone who's ever watched a baseball game has wondered what goes on in those chats between catchers and umpires behind the plate. Did you ever have anybody that you were particularly friendly with behind the plate? Did you look forward to those games? And can you share any of what those conversations were about? Well, I liked a lot of guys. Mostly uh, the catchers were good guys. I mean, you had the rats like uh, the kid from Baltimore just mentioned uh, Rick Dempsey, he's a rat. There's a lot. There were some rats, uh, but on the whole, you know, Butch Weiniger and uh, Thurman. Most of the catchers are good guys. There's rats. You know, most of the rats played in Baltimore. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a real Palmer. He thought he was Cy Young. 
you know, he never threw a ball. I will give him credit for one thing. Uh, he's the only pitcher I've ever seen. You ever notice when you throw a ball out there, you throw it back to you? Yeah. Well, what I used to do is I'd get the ball and put it in my ball bag, put my hand back in there and give him the same ball. Nobody ever knew the difference except Palmer. I threw him the ball. He started walking and I started walking so back. He says, guys, that's the same ball. <laughs> the only, wow. He's the only guy, the only guy in, in 25 years to big leagues and knew the difference. <laughs> I wonder, how, did, how did he know, I wonder? Well, you know what? He, he looked at the ball. Maybe there was a mark on the ball. So anyway, I could figure it out. And then when I threw it back to him, he looked and saw the same mark, you know? And that's the only way he would have known. He, he was no, he was no, uh, Einstein, believe me. A lot of these guys you talk to, you say hello to them, they're stuck for an answer. You mentioned uh, Baltimore. Was Earl Weaver the most difficult manager that you had to handle? He was a rat. He was uh, he was unfair. That was his biggest problem. He was totally unfair. And the only way he could ever get even with Earl Weaver, and you didn't want to hurt the team, is he liked to smoke in the dugout. He'd try and hide in the corner. If I was standing at third base and saw him, I'd say, hey, Earl, put it out or get out. And I was the only one who would do that. He thought he was getting away with something, you know what I mean? But he usually put it out. He says, you're the only guy that ever yells at me. I saw a video on YouTube where he was in quite an argument with, you mentioned Bill Haller earlier. And Fair for that one. Yeah, you you stepped in between them because Earl Weaver was threatening to knock Bill oh, Haller on his bottom. Yeah, what what'd you think of that? Bill's 6'4", 235, Earl's a midget. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that he was. He threatened me one day. I had a play at the plate, and I went against Baltimore. And he come running out, and he turned his head around because he was always guilty of trying to hit umpires in the bridge of the nose. Well, first of all, his hair come up to my chest. And second of all, he comes out, and I, he says to me, after about three or four minutes, I'd, he's already thrown out, by the way. He says, I'd like to punch you, and I start laughing. He says to me, what are you laughing at? I said, what are you going to do, punch me in the knee? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like that. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's taking on a big dude if he's coming after you. You used to be a wrestler, and, and yeah, I, I can't I believe it. I saw him Ronnie Luciano one time. Ronnie Luciano's the strongest man I've ever met in my life. He said something to Ronnie in a, in a, running down, going down the runway one day, and Ronnie turned around. Now, here's Ronnie, all-American tackle from Syracuse, six foot six, 325 pounds. And he says, come on! He's got 19 guys in front of him, of course. I said, I'll tell you what, Earl. We'll move all your players. We'll get out of the way, and I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can go more than fifty seconds with them. Thousand dollars. <laughs> I took it right out of my pocket. Like I always carried my money in my pocket. I never left it in the dressing room. I said, "Here's a thousand dollars," and I put it on the ground. And I said, "I'll tell you what, Earl. If you can go fifty seconds with Ronnie without hitting the ground, I'll give you that thousand dollars." He didn't take you up on that. Okay, and everybody started laughing at him. <laughs> His own players were laughing at him. <laughs> Ronnie would have made an ink spot on the ground on him about it. I used to mess around with Ronnie, and I, and I used to bench press almost 500 pounds, 440 I used to get to. I couldn't handle Ronnie. Ronnie was the strongest, never lifted a weight in his life, just brutally born strong. Oh, he used to lead the, he used to pull for uh, for Jimmy Brown in Syracuse. Well, how good you got to be to do that? He's an All-American. <laughs> hey, now I also... I also take him out. Oh, yeah. You're also friends with uh, Ted Barrett, I know. Oh, um, Teddy and I are best friends. I broke him in. And now he was a, I just found this out, an amateur boxer at one time prior to pursuing umpiring. He was a professional boxer. Was he? Oh, I did not know that. I thought he was, wow. He won the Golden Gloves in California, and then he started sparring with uh, 
Let's see. He sparred with Biggs. He sparred with, uh, here we go, George Foreman. Okay. No uh, who's the guy with the tattoo in the eye? Mike Tyson. Yeah, uh, he sparred with him. And then he won his first, I think, 15, eight, we turned probably 15, 18 fights. And then he ran into uh, the guy that beat Tyson in Japan. That was Buster Douglas, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's it. Buster Douglas. Was it Japan, Buster Douglas? It? Yeah. Yeah, that's who it was. And Buster hit him so hard, he, he thought he was still in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I asked him if that's the hardest he ever got hit. He says, no. I said, well, who hit the hardest? He said, it ain't even close. George Foreman. Nobody hit harder than he did. And I heard that from a couple of guys, but but Teddy verified it. And then uh, he's also a minister now. He has his own following. Matter of fact, he's in October, he's marrying my daughter. No kidding. Yeah, down in Florida. My daughter's getting married in, in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, he's, he's got a master's degree in biblical studies from Trinity College. He's uh, he's quite a guy. I remember when I first got him to come to my crew, we were talking and we were standing up second base and, he, and between innings and he says, you know, he said, I got a problem. I said, what's the matter, kid? I mean, this, some, this guy's a big boy. He says, guys, he says, I got a problem. I'm afraid. I said, what are you afraid of? He says, well, I don't know. I don't want these players to find out I used to box. I said, what? And he says, look, it, they know I wrestle. You tell everybody you are a boxer. And you tell them those people you fought. Because you are, they don't, they don't want to bother you anyway. You just tell everybody. That's what he, he did. That. <laughs> wow. All around athlete. He played football in high school. I guess he was a uh, all-stater in, out of Buffalo or something. He, he lived outside of Buffalo. I think Tonawanda or something. Yep, yep. North, North Tonawanda. Is that where it is? All right. Yeah. Well, anyways, he's a hell of a guy. He's a good man. He's an honest kid. I don't come any better. Now, you were in the game for a long time, over, what, well, 35, yeah, 36 over, years? Almost, well, 25 in the bigs, 10 and 11 in the minor leagues, 36, plus the strike years. I mean, you still get credit for him. Long time. Well, how about you? How are you doing? A lot of problems with the diabetes and heart and cancer. I don't think I'm leaving out anything, am I? Well, if you're <laughs> struggling with all that, I, I wasn't aware. But I'm all right. I'm fine. In the many years, Ken, that you did, you know, you mentioned over 25 in the bigs. What was your favorite moment? What was the thing that you think you're most proud of? I guess my first World Series. My first World Series was in 86 with St. Louis and Minnesota. And that was a series where we opened up Minnesota. Minnesota won the first two games. We went to St. Louis. St. Louis won the next three games. We went back to Minnesota, and they won the next two. <laughs> that, your first, Your World Series are always your proudest. I worked two guys' 300th game, Gaylord Perry's 300th game, and I worked a couple of no-hitters, but they're nothing like a World Series. You know, you got uh, six umpires, and it's kind of a camaraderie thing. It's kind of fun. Everybody's got their families together. You go out to eat dinner after the games, and that's fun to do. Ken, before I let you go, um, we are a faith-based program. I want to ask you, you mentioned diabetes, and, and I didn't, I had no idea, and I apologize. You're struggling with cancer. How how can we pray for you? I, I'm not struggling with cancer. They they just found a mass, and I'm waiting for the results of it. God willing that, you know, there's nothing in there that, that they can't fix. But uh, the diabetes in the heart is pretty much, uh, they got me on a medicine. And said, but I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm a, I'm a God-fearing individual. And I go every Sunday to church and did this when I was umpire. And I'd look for a church, so I'm a strong believer. But the bottom line is, if he watches, he's going to take you. So. Well, we'll keep you in prayer. I appreciate your we'll coming appreciate on. That. I, I hope a lot to me. Wish you well. I hope you have a great time at your daughter's wedding. And Well, thank you for the time. I enjoyed it with you guys. Most of these things, I ended up yelling at these people. <laughs> no, I had a good time. <laughs> Love listening to the baseball stories. Plus, you're knowledgeable. I like that, too. Well, but 
No. I got a book too. You gotta try if you ever get a chance to get to a library or something. It's called Flying of the Umps. If you're looking for laughs, you get a whole little copy of that. I would if I had one, I sent it. It goes back to I think 2004 is when I wrote it. But well, I'll really track, a funny, funny book. I've not read it, but I'll track it down. It there isn't a book, a sports book anywhere. Even all these big names that sold as many copies as my book did. So you might enjoy it. Very good. Congratulations. Thanks again That's for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure, Ken. This has been fun. Thank you. All right. Take care. That's longtime baseball umpire Ken Kaiser joining us on the BTG studio line. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. <laughs> 